the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Former President Donald Trump's lawyers reject Department of Justice nominees for a special master. If this drags on too long, at a certain point, this judge will say, okay, here's who your special master is going to be. Russia insists on continuing the war in Ukraine in spite of being driven out of the Kharkiv region. When he is pushed, he will push back hard. Washington, D.C.'s mayor establishes an Office of Migrant Services and prepares to transport migrants out of Washington. There's no question that there's challenges at the border. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, September 13th. I'm Mike Scott. On Monday, former President Donald Trump's lawyers ask a federal judge to reject the DOJ's attempt to continue to review classified documents seized from the raid at Mar-a-Lago, stating the documents may not be classified. Former president's team argues he has broad authority as president to declassify records and that a former president should have absolute right of access to presidential records, regardless if they were classified or not. This comes as the Trump legal team has filed a motion objecting to the special master candidates list proposed last week by the DOJ to review the evidence seized from Mar-a-Lago. News Nation political commentator Chris Steyerwalt discusses the latest on the fight over documents seized from Mar-a-Lago. When you get in court like this, when you get in these situations, there's one side that wants to take its time. There's another side that wants to go fast. Uh, The Justice Department wants to go fast, especially on the part that started, it seems like, all of this or most of this, which is the investigation into potential compromises of national security concerns around these documents. So that's what they want to do, first of all. And they say that they need to do it now, now, now. Then there's the second concern, which is around criminal investigation. Was this wrongly taken? Did somebody obstruct justice? Like, what what are the uh, civilian considerations here? So those are the two tracks that the federal government is thinking about, and they want to go quickly on both of them. Trump's uh, team says, let's slow down, let's slow down, let's slow down. So first slow down with the special master. Now they're going to fight over who the special master is. And then they say once the special master has the documents, they'll need three months to go through the documents. So you can see that the two sides have different perspectives on how quickly this should be going. Steyerwalt also explains the controversy over what the Trump team calls executive privilege over the alleged classified documents. The kind of privilege that the Trump lawyers are talking about, so there's a couple, it can be a confusing word, so let's keep it simple. There's the privilege that exists for the communications between a client, between a client and his or her attorney. That is 
uncontroversial, right? That is, everybody knows that if there's something there that could, uh, that is illegal communication, that that is privileged communication. There's that part of it that's not controversial, and if there's something in there that relates to that kind of communication, then it will be kept away from prosecutors. On the other hand, there's the executive privilege claim that Trump is making, which is a big departure from what we've ever seen in the past, where Trump says he has executive privilege basically for life. His lawyers say, because he was president once, he can uh, withhold information from Congress. He can withhold information from prosecutors. He can keep secret things that uh, private citizens would not be able to keep secret, even though the current president, who really has the executive privilege, has said that the, the investigations can proceed. Steyerwald also says that the Trump team has agreed to assist the DOJ with national security concerns. Well, even in their filing, uh, the Trump lawyers say, look, uh, we can make a carve out, some kind of carve out for the national security concerns here. So that was a big concession that they made in their filing was to acknowledge that there were legitimate national security concerns uh, based on how the president uh, did this stuff. Plus, uh, there's no leg to stand on there. They have they have to give in. And certainly the Senate. Uh, and the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is, has a good reputation for doing bipartisan work, that the Senate Intelligence Committee will be able to get their hands on this probably a lot faster uh, than anybody else. Steyerwalt explains that if the former president's lawyers drag things out too long, the judge may appoint a judge themselves. Well, here's the thing about judges. They have patience, but not that much. And the longer that the Trump team... So the Trump team got a big help by uh, the installation of this special master. So that was a big that was a big win for them and something that they wanted. This judge gave it to them. Now they say, well, I don't like those uh, retired judges to be special masters. We have our own guys. What do you think about these? If this, if this drags on too long, at a certain point, this judge will say... Okay, here's who your special master is going to be. Take it, like it or lump it, uh, and we're going to go forward from here. The ongoing counteroffensive by Ukraine's military gained further momentum on Monday, reclaiming several more northeastern villages and forcing the retreat of overwhelmed Russian troops in the region. In the Kharkiv region, An official who was installed by Russia said that Ukrainian forces outnumbered Russian troops 8 to 1 and had broken through to the Russian border. However, the Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov says that Russia does not see an opportunity for Ukraine and Russia to negotiate an end to the war. Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Davis says that while Ukraine is making significant gains... It's important to understand what's really going on. But it's important to understand exactly what did happen. I like the way you set that up because it's important to say that uh, Russia had been putting all of their focus in the Donbass. And so they conducted what's called an economy of force mission in both the north and the south in the Kharkiv and in the Kherson area, which means they put as few troops as they needed to just try to hold the Ukrainian troops in place while they put the forces in Donbass. Now, what Ukraine did is that they collected a large number of troops and then overwhelmed those small number of troops in the uh, the north part there and drove them out back to their uh, positions that you talked about back in April. That that basically has used up most of their striking power. And in the southern part that you pointed out, they the Ukraine actually suffered significant losses. That was not a successful attempt in the south. And they have now basically mm-hmm. used up their offensive potential. So it's not like, you know, the Russian is now collapsing and and they're going to be driving Russian out. This is an important success for Ukraine. 
but we have to keep it in context. Davis goes on to caution against over-exaggerating the gains made by Ukrainian forces. I can authoritatively tell you that's way overblown based on what actually has a, a happened. And, and the problem with that is that it undervalues what they actually, the Ukraine actually did accomplish by, by making it sound like something much bigger than it was. And it also makes people think that more is coming. Hmm. And, uh, and I'm not sure that right now anything is coming more. The lieutenant colonel says that, in his opinion, Vladimir Putin will do something to retaliate against the offensive. I can uh, just about guarantee that he's not just going to sit passively by and allow his troops to be, uh, you know, beaten back the way they were and do nothing about it. I mean, if we know anything from Putin all the way back to 1999 when he was in charge of the of the Chechen war for the first time is that when he is pushed, he will push back hard. And, and he will take he will not hold anything back to accomplish his objectives. And he has put his political and probably his actual life on the line with this. And I think we can be pretty confident that he's going to do something to retaliate for this. I just can't imagine well, him the, just the, be the doctrine, allowing it to go. On Monday, a former member of Afghanistan's parliament urged the world to label the Taliban a gender apartheid regime because of its crackdown on human rights, saying the apartheid label was a catalyst for change in South Africa and may be a catalyst for change in Afghanistan. The former member of parliament says Afghanistan now uses a systematic denial of women's rights akin to that once used in South Africa. What is happening in Afghanistan, ladies and gentlemen, is a gender apartheid, clearly a gender apartheid. I'm not the first to say that, but the inaction of the international community and decision makers at large makes it important for all of us to repeat this. Norwegian UN Ambassador Mona Jewell says the Taliban takeover has decimated the rights of women. One year after the Taliban takeover, the situation for women and girls has deteriorating in a, at a shocking scale and speed. Muriel Bowser, the Democrat mayor of Washington, D.C., sent an email to residents explaining her new plan to deal with an influx of illegal immigrants. Bowser calling the situation a humanitarian crisis stating that they will be creating an office of migrant services and assuring constituents that her administration would be shipping illegal immigrants out of the city and to other parts of the country and admitting that illegal immigration plays a heavy burden on taxpayer-funded services. Leonard Fleming of D.C. News Now says that D.C.'s mayor is expecting even more illegal immigrants to arrive, So she is creating an infrastructure to handle their needs. Mayor Muriel Bowser felt that with an expected increase at the border of migrants in the coming months, it is time to create a district infrastructure to handle their arrival. This will allow us to, um, for example, create uh, this new office of migrant services that also uh, streamlines, because we don't currently have a system of services focused on this population, our migrant population, uh, and this allows us to streamline those services uh, while at the same time not burdening our homeless services system. The new department will be housed with the District's Department of Human Services, the mayor felt she had no choice. 
this is what we know, is that the crisis at the border is not lessening, is getting worse. Uh, we're told uh, that with, un with uncertainty in, you know, like the political system, uh, as well as the, just weather, for example, uh, that numbers increase during this time of year. Fleming says that a few of the mayor's constituents are welcoming Bowser's efforts. Bowser said that the time was right to do this now rather than months ago. We thought it was very appropriate that we worked uh, with our partner organizations who are very experienced in this work, um, who've done migrant services work, um, to, to work with them. The sheer capacity, the volume of the work, and our expectation that that could increase uh, really necessitates a, a broader coordination from us. Father John Ensler of Catholic Charities welcomed the mayor's efforts. We've been asking for some help and support. I'm with Catholic Charities, and we, we, at the first process, we met the first process. We realized pretty quickly it was beyond our capacity to do what we needed to do. We said we need more help, more support. Today, the mayor announced money, $10 million. She announced an office to do this. She announced more personnel. She announced basically money, FEMA money, to help people with transportation. So it's, it's, really, it's a great thing. Fleming reports that thousands of illegal immigrants have arrived in D.C. so far. There have been more than 9,400 migrants who have been bused to D.C. since April. And so far, 348 are being housed in D.C. hotels. City officials, though, expect that number to swell. A space in Union Station will be used as a welcoming center. The mayor will soon seek city council approval to extend the declaration. Kaylee McEnany, former White House press secretary, says that use of taxpayer-funded resources for illegal immigrants she believes is a slap in the face to American citizens. Bingo, um, you're a blue-collar worker. You hit the nail on the head. Imagine how you feel. Okay, let's say you didn't go to college, right? You're working hard, blue-collar factory job, didn't go to college, and you're told you're going to pay your neighbor's kid's student loan debt, which is what the Biden administration has told you. And then you go to your seat of government, if you're a Georgia resident, and your wannabe governor has said, oh, and we want to help, you know, illegal immigrants go to college here and get this, you know, lavish in-state tuition deal. And then you look over to New York, and these illegal migrants are staying in these big, fancy hotels. What does this say to the blue-collar worker, the forgotten man and woman in this country? We don't care about you. Mm -hmm. And you ask why there's mm -hmm. been a, a big flea of these Reagan Democrats who were Democrats who voted for Reagan, Democrats who are now have returned home to the Republican Party. It's because of things like this. And each time they do this, it's just putting a knife in that wound of the working class. Jake Sherman, Punchbowl News co-founder, joined the Salem Radio Network and remarked on Vice President Kamala Harris's recent assertion that the border is secure. There's no question that there's challenges at the border. I think there's no question that uh, and Democrats, by the way, we've seen recently Henry Cuellar, a Democrat from the border uh, in Texas, has said uh, in an ad he's he's working to secure the border, meaning it's not secure as of now. And I think I think most people, uh, the majority of Congress would disagree with that assessment. Sherman goes on to say that while there may be some common ground between political parties in securing the border, the Biden administration has simply not paid much attention to that crisis. The, the irony of the whole situation is everybody kind of understands what the 
what an eventual, if there ever is an eventual package to to uh, immigration package would would look like. It would be increased border patrol security, both interior probably and and at the border, coupled with some sort of um, uh, pathway to citizenship and other changes to the immigration laws. I it, it, that that is not controversial. I think what the last administration did. Uh, vis-a-vis the, the border wall, I think that was um, – uh, they personalized it in a way that didn't really make sense. This administration has has not really focused fully on the border. Mayor Bowser's revelations come as Vice President Harris raised eyebrows by declaring that America's southern border is secure, despite the tens of thousands of illegals who routinely cross into the country every month. The New York Times is casting doubt on recent polls that show Democrat candidates outpacing Republicans in key races. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew has more on this developing story. Recent surveys suggest Democrats are on track to retain control of the Senate and lose the House, but only by a small margin. The left-leaning New York Times now admits the polling may not paint an accurate picture. Times senior writer David Lenhart says one factor is that Republicans are more leery of mainstream media polling and may be less willing to participate in some surveys. The paper recalls how surveys overstated Joe Biden's strength in 2020 in states like North Carolina, Wisconsin, and Ohio, all states with major Senate races on the line this year. Bob Agner reporting. President Joe Biden is speaking on the 60th anniversary of John F. Kennedy's famous moonshot speech, outlined his administration's plan to cut the U.S. death rate from cancer in half over the next quarter century. In choosing to go to the moon, President Kennedy said America was doing so, quote, not because it was easy, but because it was hard, because the goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energy and skills because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept. One we're willing, not one we are unwilling to postpone. I give you my word as a Biden, this cancer moonshot is one of the reasons why I ran for president. It's part of my unity agenda that I laid out in my State of the Union address to rally the American people to work together Because we know this, cancer does not discriminate red and blue. It doesn't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Beating cancer is something we can do together, and that's why I'm here today. Biden says that part of the reason he chose to run for president was to back a cancer moonshot initiative. I was elected president. I determined to supercharge the cancer moonshot as a central effort in the Biden-Harris administration. In February, I laid out our plan that is bold, ambitious, and I might add, completely doable. The goal is to cut cancer death rates by at least 50%, at least 50% in the next 25 years. To turn more cancers from death sentences into chronic diseases people can live with to create more supportive experience for patients and families, and to update update our fight against the cancer. To address inequities, we can ensure prevention, detection, treatment, reach patients in urban, rural, suburban, and tribal communities so they have equal access to cancer diagnostics, therapeutics, 
and clinical trial. The president went on to say he's formed a new cabinet position to address new and innovative cancer treatments. As part of the supercharged moonshot, I'll use my authorities as president to increase funding, to break break log jams and to speed breakthroughs. I've also formed a new cancer cabinet that is driving a whole-of-government effort to unleash every possible asset within our power, from NASA that knows more about radiation than any doctor does, to the Defense Department that has the ability to calculate and the Energy Department through a million billion calculations per second. I know we can do this together because I know this. There's nothing, nothing, nothing beyond our our capacity if we work together as the United States of America. While scientists understand that cancer is not a single disease, but hundreds of diseases that respond differently to different treatments, some cancers have biomarkers that can be targeted by existing drugs that will slow a tumor's growth. The most important inflation report this week comes on Tuesday, and the government is expected to report that price increases slowed in August compared with a year ago, largely because of a steady drop in the cost of gas. Prices for many other items, particularly food, are expected to keep rising quickly. Overall, economists forecast consumer prices rose 8.1 percent in August compared with one year ago, down from 8.5% in July. According to data provider FactSet, GasBuddy.com's Patrick DeHaan says California is still suffering with high gas prices due to refinery issues. The statewide average in California is 5.32 a gallon, but heading to San Francisco, the average there, 5.55 a gallon. Many areas of Northern California now back over $5.30 a gallon. DeHaan says the average price for a gallon of gas now sits nationally at three sixty-seven. Prices now are down twenty-eight cents a gallon nationally from a month ago, but are still about fifty-one cents higher than a year ago. DeHaan says that the average price for a gallon of gas has fallen for the thirteenth straight week. The national average now at three dollars and sixty-seven cents a gallon. Uh, that's uh, a substantial dollar and thirty-six cents lower than where prices peaked in mid-June when they reached 5.03. The White House is working to prevent a railroad worker strike, which could prove damaging to supply chains around the world. Daybreak Insider's White House correspondent Greg Cluxon has more on the White House putting on that full court press. 57,000 rail workers are set to strike if negotiators can't reach a deal by Friday morning. Aides say President Biden is following the talks closely and has dispatched Labor Secretary Marty Walsh to sit down with freight railroads and their unions. Walsh even postponed a planned overseas trip to remain close to the talks. Business groups warn that a strike would be an economic disaster. Greg Clugston, Washington. Jeff Bezos' rocket company has suffered its first launch failure. Daybreak Insider's John Scott has more on what went wrong. 
No one was aboard, only science experiments. The Blue Origin rocket veered off course over West Texas about a minute after liftoff on Monday. The capsule's launch abort system immediately kicked in, lifting the craft off the top. Several minutes later, the capsule parachuted onto the desert floor. Blue Origin's launch commentator called it an anomaly, but provided no further details. It's the same kind of rocket and capsule that Blue Origin uses to send people on a 10-minute ride to the edge of space. John Scott reports. And finally, in Sydney, Australia, man and bird are waging a fierce battle over the most precious of resources, garbage. A team of scientists studying sulfur-crested cockatoo parrots that have learned to rob garbage bins and have, surprisingly, taught other birds in their flocks how to do the same. In new research released on Monday, scientists say that humans have now started to devise their own methods to keep the birds out, to varying degrees of success. Up, 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 and away. Lock up your bins, lest a crafty cockatoo makes a meal of it. It's a unique behaviour, and with the community's help, we've been able to map where it is and is not occurring and learn about how that behaviour has been spreading across the landscape. Move over, Ibis. There's a new bin chicken in town. The iconic Aussie bird's mostly been prying open bin lids in southern Sydney and Wollongong, but their behaviour's been spreading in recent years. Researchers have concluded in a scientific first the birds have learnt how to pop the lids through learning from one another. It's quite rare in the animal world to be able to show that animals are learning from each other and that it's spreading to neighbouring populations. Citizen scientists helped gather the data through surveys, a task made easy when they've become your bird buddies. I have names for, I think, around 40 or 50 of them. We hang out on a daily basis. They feel like my friends. The paper also found in different areas the birds have different methods of opening the bins. It's no surprise to those who love the curious cockatoos. They'll keep some almonds in a jar and, and they know that, so they'll, like, sneak up when I'm not looking and they can take the lid off. But how did they start foraging in the humble wheelie bin? We really don't know. So the chicken or egg, did the birds go explore the bins or did they find a bin that was already open? At least household trash has yielded scientific treasure. Scientists learned that the bin chickens, as they've been nicknamed in Australia, seem to learn from other birds by observation. As the technique passed from neighbourhood to neighbourhood, the local cockatoos developed slight variations to the behaviour. The team of scientists plan on the continued study of the tenacious and clever parrots in order to learn what led the cockatoos to become proficient plunderers of trash in hopes to come up with a method to thwart the feathered thieves in the future. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at daybreakinsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.